Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. A reading from Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Good Shepherd. Uh, It's so good to be with you again this Sunday uh, in the season of Pentecost where we're exploring how God's Spirit's at work in our world, moving us, inspiring us, and blowing us out into the world to love it and to serve it. And uh, this week we're so excited to be joined by uh, Pastor Drew Jackson. Drew has been with our community uh, a handful of times. He's preached sermons, and uh, we we love his voice. His his, uh, ministry and presence in the city is located in the East Village. He's with a church called Hope East Village, and uh, we, we love him so much. He's married to uh, Janae. Uh, he has two beautiful daughters, and uh, he's also a poet. Uh, we did an interview with him on Wednesday Night Live, which you can go on social media and check out. Uh, but we couldn't be bigger fans of Drew, and uh, I heard him preach this sermon uh, to his church, and I asked him to come and preach it to our community uh, because I think it's so timely. I think it's prophetic. And uh, he is famously, uh, at least in our community, my daughter's favorite preacher, which really hurts, but she's probably right. He's great. So um, give a warm welcome and show your love to Pastor Drew Jackson. Good morning, Good Shepherd. It's such an honor and a privilege to be with you on this Father's Day and on this Juneteenth weekend where we celebrate and we also renew ourselves in the long struggle for freedom 
and for liberation that we are all engaged in. You know, something is happening right now. There's a shaking, a stirring, a troubling of the foundations upon which we've built the systems and structures of society. I'm not gonna attempt to name this something that is happening. But I think that all of us have a sense that the tectonic plates of our society are shifting beneath our feet because we can feel the rumble. And while I'm hoping with my ancestors that it is God that is troubling the waters, while it is my prayer that this is a divine movement, to echo what a friend of mine said to me just a couple of weeks ago, the jury is still out. But if it is God that is on the move, if the sound that we hear off in the distance is the sound of a mighty Pentecost-like wind approaching, then you and I need to understand what it's going to mean for us to prepare for the fire to fall. I know Pentecost Sunday was a few weeks ago, but over at Hopi's Village, we felt it necessary for us to sit in the text of Pentecost for several weeks to see if together we can learn something about how to prepare for a Pentecost movement. And so this morning, while I have the mic for a few minutes with you, I wanna to talk to you from the title, Movementalize, by which I mean, prepare yourself for movement. And so if you're new to the book of Acts, one of the things you need to understand right off the bat is that the book of Acts is a sequel. Acts is part two of the Gospel of Luke. And in the very first verse of Acts, Luke tells us that in the first book, in his gospel, he wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The implication of this is that what he's getting ready to tell us is about all that Jesus continued to do. So even though Jesus is only physically around for these first few verses, the presence, the power, and the movement of Jesus is all throughout this book. And if Luke wants to tell us anything through the book of Acts, he wants us to know that the movement of Jesus has never stopped. Jesus is on the move. And every generation of the church has to ask, where is the spirit of Jesus moving? And how do we get on board? See, Acts 1 is a massive shift in things because Jesus is getting ready to leave. Jesus is getting ready to ascend back to the right hand of his father. But Jesus' departure does not mean that the mission is done. In fact, it means that things are just getting started. The revolution that began in a little town of Bethlehem is about to go global. But Jesus knew that what was getting ready to happen with his ascension was going to present a significant challenge for his disciples. See, it's hard to be propelled into movement when all you feel is the loss of something familiar. I mean, think about it. The disciples had already experienced the crucifixion of Jesus 
and all of the loss and all the disappointment that came with that. But then they experienced the resurgence of hope that came with his resurrection. Their friend was back. Their leader was back. I mean, let's get this show on the road. But now Jesus is getting ready to leave again. And this time he tells them that he doesn't know when he's coming back. This isn't really an energizing, let's continue the revolution sort of moment. This moment is filled with loss. It's filled with feelings of inadequacy and all sorts of questions like, what's happening right now? What do we do? How do we proceed? Why can't things just be like they were? Some of us are asking very similar questions right now at this moment where we are collectively experiencing a massive shift. But at this moment of shifting and transition and shaking, I believe that Jesus has a necessary word for us that comes to us through this text. And I'll put it to you like this. And this is the, the entire point of the sermon. Don't memorialize movementalize. But before we rush ahead too rashly and too quickly, we must wait for power. Let me break down for you what I mean. See, this is a new moment. And the questions that may be arising in you right now are understandable. But one of the great temptations of a moment like this the same temptation that the disciples faced is to spend our energy reaching for the past, trying to hold on to what we feel like we've lost instead of following Jesus forward into an uncertain future. This is the temptation to memorialize. The text tells us that when Jesus ascended, the disciples were standing there looking up into the clouds, gazing into heaven. And some angels appeared to them and, and asked them, why are you standing here looking off into space? You know, in his commentary on the book of Acts, the theologian Willie James Jennings, he, he says this about what was happening at this moment. He says, as he, that is Jesus, as he ascends, the disciples watch. And here the danger of watching becomes clear. Jesus is no action figure, no superhero to be consumed in spectacle. Watching Jesus and watching for Jesus was and is a significant temptation for his disciples. Such watching can easily undermine movement and easily undermine the priority of the journey. These disciples, consumed in spectacle, may easily turn toward monument thinking and building. They could easily have begun to consider how they mark the spot of his departure and forget his instruction given through the Spirit. This is a moment of loss, even as they know they must go forward in faith. See, the disciples could have easily built a monument at this spot of ascension so, 
so that they could sit around and reminisce about the good old days when, when Jesus used to physically be with them. I mean, they could have built an entire religion centered around nostalgia. And they could have written all these worship songs about what Jesus did and all of those things. But that's not what Jesus called them to do. Jesus called them to follow him. And Jesus is always moving forward into God's promised future. Jesus is on the move. Remembrance is important. But we remember in order to move forward in faith. As Willie Jennings says, faith always leans forward to the place where God is waiting to meet us. See, some of us right now are longing to gather again in corporate worship and sing and do all the things that we used to do. But what if God is moving us forward into a place where our worship gatherings are places of protest in the streets of our city and our worship songs are songs of resistance where we raise our voices to stand against the powers of this world. Some of us are longing for how it used to be when conversations about racism and oppression and white supremacy weren't constantly in our faces everywhere we turn. Those days were more comfortable. But what if the place of confronting racial injustice is the place where God is waiting to transform you from one degree of glory to another. See, whenever God is moving forward in a significant way, the people of God are always tempted to want to go back to what was familiar and comfortable. I mean, think about the children of Israel. When God rescued them out of enslavement in Egypt and brought them across the Red Sea, I mean, they started to complain and say to Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Do you even know where you're going? Take us back to Egypt. At least we knew what to expect back there. See, the presence of God was with them, leading them forward into freedom. But all they could do was reach back to hold on to what they felt like they lost. Don't memorialize, movementalize. As we lean forward into the ever-advancing movement of God, there will be things that we have to leave behind in order to be met by the newness that the Spirit of God is ushering in. Jesus said it this way, and I paraphrase, you got to leave behind the old wineskins if you want to receive the new wine. See, the disciples, they had to leave behind their old visions and conceptions of Jesus and of the kingdom of God. Up to this point, the disciples only knew one experience of Jesus' presence. He was with them in the flesh. But if they wanted to lean forward into this new movement of God, they would have to learn a new experience of the presence of God. There was some letting go that they were going to have to do. They were going to have to let go of their nationalist visions of the kingdom of God that was really all about making Israel great again. 
And they were going to have to embrace a new vision, a new vision of the kingdom that went far beyond the borders of their own comfort and had nothing to do with securing their own power. They were also going to have to leave behind their desire to know and to be certain. We can't follow Jesus forward while bowing to the idol of certainty because we can't trust the leading of the Spirit of God if we always have to know. What might you have to leave behind in order to move forward with Jesus at this moment? I mean, that's a question that I want to invite you to sit with. But I also want to offer some thoughts as I've been sitting with this myself and meditating on this for our community. See, I think for a lot of us, we need to leave behind an individualistic notion of faith. There is no room in the kingdom revolution of God for faith that is only concerned about me and my personal relationship with Jesus. Your faith may have started there, but it can't stay there. The kingdom movement of God needs people who know to be true what Fannie Lou Hamer said, one of the mothers of the civil rights movement, when she said, no one is free until everyone is free. I'm not free unless we're all free. I need to know that my freedom, my salvation, my liberation is bound up with my neighbors. The salvation that Jesus came to bring was not about giving me a hall pass to heaven, but it was about rescuing the entire cosmos. This faith you've been called to is way bigger than just you. Some of us have to leave behind this desire to follow Jesus deeper into our own comfort. See, confronting racial injustice and white supremacy is not comfortable. Protesting against police brutality is not comfortable. Laboring to create change so that our neighbors who are the most marginalized and oppressed among us can live in a more just and equitable world is not comfortable. You will receive pushback. But if we've heard the call to follow Jesus as a call deeper into comfort, I must say that we've misheard the call. Ask Peter, James, and John if the call was comfortable. Ask the Apostle Paul if the call was comfortable. Go read Acts 6 and 7 and ask Stephen if the call was comfortable. There are some things that we have to leave behind. Another thing that many of us have to leave behind is the false belief that justice is a side issue that is not central to the gospel. Or, or that doing justice is optional for the follower of Jesus. I mean, we serve a God who says justice and righteousness are the foundation of my throne. The Jesus we follow said that he came to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to liberate the captives. This is not a side issue. This is not optional. Doing justice is central to our vocation. And the last suggestion I want to give about what many of us might need to leave behind is the false belief that we have no part to play in the movement of God. 
you might be asking yourself right now, what is my role in all of this? And you might be tempted to believe that you have no role. But let me tell you something. Part of the reason for the ascension of Jesus was to communicate that the movement of God will not be about one person, but that the spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. That means that you have a part to play. That means that the movement of God is waiting for the gifts and is waiting for the power that has been poured into you. There are some things that we have to leave behind. Some old wineskins that, that have to be shed to make way for the new wine. The prolific black poet Audre Lorde has a quote that I believe speaks very powerfully in this moment. And she says to us these words. She says, the old definitions have not served us, nor the earth that supports us. The old patterns, no matter how cleverly rearranged to imitate progress, still condemn us to cosmetically altered repetitions of the same old exchanges, the same old guilt, hatred, recrimination, lamentation, and suspicion. For we have built into all of us old blueprints of expectation and response, old structures of oppression. And these must be altered at the same time as we alter the living conditions which are the results of those structures. For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. The master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. See, God is doing a new thing. And there are some old things that we must leave behind, some old tools that we must drop in order to make way for the new. But as we lean forward into this movement, there, there's another temptation that we are faced with, just like the disciples in Acts 1. And that is the temptation to rush ahead of what Jesus is doing. Before Jesus ascends back to his father, he gives his disciples these instructions. Wait for the promise of the father. And we know that, that this is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't memorialize, movementalize. But before we rush ahead too rashly and too quickly, we must wait for power. Jesus goes on to tell them that when the spirit comes, when the Spirit comes upon them, they will receive power to be his witnesses. Participation in the movement of God requires Spirit-empowered people. But what is this power that we are waiting for? And what does it mean to, to wait for this power? I don't have time to say too much right now about this active waiting, about what this looks like, but I will say this that this time of active waiting will most certainly involve shedding and unlearning those things that we just talked about having to leave behind. I've heard it said that transformation is often more about unlearning than it is about learning. And so I'll ask this again in a different way. What is it that you need to unlearn during this time as you prepare to participate in the movement of God. What do you need to unlearn? 
But as we begin to wrap up, I do want to speak about this power that's been promised. See, I don't believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is the power to become individual super Saiyan Christians. But I believe that this power is about the collective power of the people of God moving in the same direction to stand against the powers of evil. This is power that is going to move us beyond the boundaries of our own comfort. It's a power that's not going to lord itself over others, but is going to join itself with others. It takes more power to join than it does to dominate because it means that my walls have to come down. It means that I have to let go of my own way. It means that I have to embrace and work for the good of the other whom I may have once despised. Willie Jennings calls Pentecost the revolution of the intimate because it moves us to an intimacy with God and an intimacy with the other that we have not previously experienced. See, the disciples believed that Jesus' physical absence meant less of Jesus. But they didn't realize that leaning forward into this movement of God meant that they were getting ready to experience greater, greater presence. They were going to experience the indwelling presence of the Spirit of Christ, something that they had not known. And they were going to experience an intimacy and a solidarity with Judeans and Samaritans and citizens of God's good world more deeply than they could have ever imagined. This is Holy Spirit power. It's the power to engage in the work of love and justice for the long haul, and not just for a moment while it's trending. And lastly, I'll say this. It's the power to raise your voice. Jesus said, we will receive power to be his witnesses, witnesses to the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, there are no silent witnesses. To be a witness means that you have something to say. It means that there's something that you've seen that you need to open your mouth to speak about. And if the Spirit of God has opened your eyes to see the kingdom of God breaking in, it means that you have glimpsed a world, God's a new creation, where black lives are not trampled underfoot. And so to bear witness to what you have seen is to proclaim that black lives matter. If you have been to the mountaintop and you have glimpsed God's promised future, To be a witness is to proclaim and to embody the words of James Weldon Johnson, who sang and who said these words. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. 
facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Good shepherd, the kingdom of God is at hand. The spirit of God is getting ready to blow through. So let's lean into this move of God so that we can be the witnesses in this moment, in this time, in this place that we've been called to be. And as I bless you as you go, I want to just say this benedictive blessing over you from my friend Erin Kim Eubanks who wrote these words. May the spirit who is breath fill our lungs with the air of new life so that all God's children can breathe without violence and fear. May the spirit who comes with fire burn down institutions propped up by evil and oppression and set our hearts ablaze with God's justice and righteousness. May the spirit who brings new utterances empower our voices to speak, to pray, and protest in ways that usher in heaven and troubles the masses. May the spirit who shakes the earth rattle our world so that we cannot go back to life as we knew it. May God's spirit fill us empower us and amaze us this day as witnesses to the coming of a new world and the birth of a new humanity. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977 or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.